Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast. This is your host, Steph, here with Pastor Adam. I'm here, and... And Jonathan, Jonathan, my husband. Jonathan is here. He's, in the, he's our studio audience. So you know that means we have recorded at least two episodes in one setting. We're getting big when we got a studio audience. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're growing. <laughs> We're growing. <laughs> We're growing. This would be a great time, John, for you to inter- inter- insert some laughter. Like <laughs> some yeah. He doesn't do any applause, though. So yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna he's a, Jonathan is, a, is an internal applauser. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep pointing to the fact that he's just a quiet, yes, kind person. Yes, it's just fun to do. Because you wouldn't have known it unless we said it, right? Yeah. So I just think it's fun to do. Okay. Anyway, we've so, made fun of him a lot since you started this podcast. I or know. joked Or joked about him. You know? Yes. It's been, it's been quite, uh, quite a few episodes that we've done that, right? It's been a recurring theme. Eventually it might wear off. It probably will. <laughs> it probably will. It's like when we first started the podcast, we kept making this joke. Um Hey everybody! We're so glad you're here. All three of you listening, you know we made oh, that joke I remember for a while, you saying that. right? And then we had to back off on it because it will turn into a lie. It wasn't true anymore. So, anyway, go ahead, Steph. All right, host us up. So we're in this series right now, and it's called an honest conversation about mental health. Um, this is episode one thirty three. Um, so this is the third in this series. Yep. So let's talk about anxiety. Let's talk about anxiety. That's what we're going to kick into. We're going to do this two parter. And then after this, we'll do two more parts on depression. Those are the big two, right? And then we're going to talk suicide a little bit, um, probably two episodes on that as well. Um, so if you missed these last few, you can go back and get a, take a look. The first one was a, just a quick intro, gave some generalized advice just to get started for two different groups of people. And we're, all, and we're still talking to those two different groups in every episode of this series. Uh, those two groups are... Those who struggle with mental illness, mental health-related issues, that would be me. I'm in that group. (laughs) And then uh, it would be those who know somebody who does. And so we pretty much cover everybody in the world when we say talk about those two groups. So in other words, uh, mental health-related things is something we should be talking about because it affects virtually everyone um, in some way, either you directly or you indirectly with somebody that you know and care for. And usually if you know somebody who struggles with mental health, it's somebody close to you. Um, it's usually somebody very close, a parent, a a sibling, a, um, a a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a close, close friend, lifelong friend. Like these are, these are those people. And so, um, it's important for us to talk about it. So we intro to that week. And then last week we started talking more about just the biblical concept and understanding that mental health is not a mental health issues. Mental illnesses is not a sin. Um, so we talked about that and we went straight from Jesus on that one. So if you disagree, mm-hmm. take it up with Jesus. All right. Uh, and so today we're talking about anxiety, like Steph said. So, uh, Steph, have you ever felt anxious before? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> anxious right now. Is that a dumb question? <laughs> no, it's not a dumb question. And, all right. How about today? How many times have you been anxious today? Like if you could, I know you can't count it cause nobody counts it, but have you had anxious moments today? Absolutely. Yeah. I was at my job Do and you, you know, yeah. Do you find that you have anxious moments most every day? Yes. And they come at random different times about yes. random different stuff? Can't control that. You know, right. It just happens. Yeah. I, I think, like, think of, some, think of some things that you've had before. Like, if you ever remember being in school and you have a big test 
Yeah. And you get anxious on, am I prepared enough or am I going to get a good grade or whatever it may be. Um, have you ever been driving and a police officer got behind you? <laughs> yes. Like anxiety goes crazy then, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, even if they don't even turn the blue lights on, they just get behind you. You feel like they're just trying to give yeah, you a you're ticket. Really like, hey, what speed am I going? Do I have my seatbelt on, right? <laughs> How loud's my radio? Was I touching my phone? You know what I mean? Oh, like, yes. Yes, all the time. Um, you may have experienced it like this too. Um, maybe when you were a kid or even as an adult. I mean, this happened with me and Valerie as grown people where money was tight and you didn't know like – how are we going to afford this thing that's coming up or how are we going to afford to eat or how are we going to afford to pay the power bill? You know, when Valerie and I first got married, um, I was 19 and a half. She was 21. We waited until one of us got out of college before we got married. So the minute she graduated, we got married and to college and I was still in college. <clears throat> and that, that first year that we were married and we filed taxes, we filed taxes on combined joined income of about $19,000 that year. We would we would roll up pennies to pay bills with, you know. Um, and there was moments where we were like, I don't I don't know if we're going we going to be <laughs> <laughs> we better buy all the ramen noodles that they sell, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I'm being serious, you know. Um but there's some people like as as kids, you know, you get nervous about money's tight with parents, whatever. There's so many things that can cause this. Sometimes the things that make us anxious are little things. Um, and sometimes they are big things. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's a terrible feeling. And there, and in my life, it's probably been more little things that have made me anxious than big things. Um, I don't know about you, but little stuff makes me anxious. Yeah. Like uh, time makes me anxious. Um, I'm anxious about time constantly. So, so much so that if I if I don't um, if I if we say we're going to leave the house at seven thirty, and we leave the house at seven thirty one. I'm anxious at one minute. Um, and that's really little, right? Because mm-hmm. what's one minute going to do? Like, I've been trying to teach Olivia this. That's my oldest. She's driving now. Can you believe that, by the way? That's crazy. She drives. Um, gosh, Stephanie, how old was she when you met her? Two? Two. Yeah. I mean, she drives now. And I've been trying to tell her, because I'm not, she's a good driver. I'm not worried about her speeding. I'm not worried about being, being reckless. I'm worried about two things. Her touching the phone. Um, and I'm worried about her feeling late and need to rush. And so I've been trying to tell her, even though I don't even do it myself, I've been trying to tell her, honey, if you, you there's no point in you driving fast if you're late because you're only going to make up a minute. Right? That's like, true. I mean, you're literally only, you, you could, if you're late going to school and you went and you flew, you're only going to make up like 30, 45 seconds. You know what I'm saying? So, but I, those little things make me anxious. But but little things make us anxious. Big things make us anxious. Regardless, it's still a terrible feeling. The, the Bible has a lot to say about that type of anxiety um, because that type of anxiety is normal, and it is a part of the human experience. It, it's just part of life. Um, it, it, can, it can usually be controlled, and it, can, and it usually comes with an expiration date. Right. Like an event happens where it passes, like you get the results back from the test and then you go, I did OK. Right. And it passes. The cop cop doesn't turn the lights on and goes away from you. Right. Or the cop does turn the lights on. You get the ticket. And then a little while later, you settle down and realize, oh, well, I got to pay the ticket. Yeah, You you crank the song back up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) You go, well, this is part of life. You know, so this this type of anxiety can be controlled and it has an expiration date. 
Um, you can pinpoint the origin of the stress easily for the most part, and you can come up with a solution for it. Or somebody can help you come up with a solution for it relatively easily. Um, the Bible actually talks about that type of anxiety a lot. That's why I think, I think that um, there's a key phrase you see repeated in the Bible 365 times. There's a direct reference to fear not right? yes. or do not fear, um, and which is cool because it's like one for every day. Except for leap year, you're out of, you're out of luck. But uh, <laughs> don't leave the room. I don't need leap year. Um, but it, it, what it's referring to is that level of anxiety of I don't know what's happening next or I don't know what to do with this situation or whatever, which is which is pretty normal everyday stuff. I think the fact that that verse is in there 365 times is an illustration to us that it's a common human experience Yes. to be anxious, to be nervous, and to fear, to use the biblical term. Um but the type of anxiety that we want to talk about in this episode is different than that. Um, so that type of anxiety, everybody's going to have. And so, no, everybody does not have a mental anxiety disorder. The one we want to talk about is, is a disorder, and that disorder has a lot of cousins. Right? There's all kinds of ways that you see this, and it wreaks havoc. Over about 40 million people in the U.S. have a diagnosed anxiety disorder. 40 million. Now, that number's low than it really lower than it really is because that's diagnosed. So, I wouldn't have been in that category 12 years ago. You know, maybe a little longer now, maybe 15 years ago. I wouldn't have been in that category. Um, but now I am. And there's so, there's so many people that it's undiagnosed, but they do have one. Um, or it's people that don't are not going to say that they have it at all. They're just never going to admit it because they feel shame and guilt and all those things. I mean, I remember pretending like I didn't have one. Um, when I went to see a counselor and went to see a doctor, I was going to see doctors an hour away from where I lived because I didn't want anybody around me to know. You know what I mean? So that's a low number, that 40 million number. But it's got all kinds of cousins. So uh, here's some of them. Separation anxiety, Social anxiety. I know a lot of people have social anxiety. That has climbed dramatically in teenagers especially. Um, and you've seen that come out a lot since COVID. Um, yes. Generalized anxiety disorders, panic disorders, agoraphobia, acute anxiety disorders, which is a brought on by a sudden situation that's only going to be temporary, but it's manifested into a disorder. Um, there's so many of them. So Anxiety disorders come from genetics, they come from your brain chemistry, they come from a neurological response to trauma, or to a, a neurological response to the environment that you are in, right? The environment in which you're raised, the amount of time you spend around a particular person and their actions, their their mannerisms, like their body language towards you can cause that, especially as a child, right? And so many different ways. And so... Basically, what we're saying is, is it has a neurological origin that cannot be controlled, right? That's the point. When we say that there's a – so anxiety in general, um, it you can pinpoint the source and you can control it. Um, and anxiety disorder is neurological in nature, and so it therefore cannot be controlled. It can only be managed, Right. So you can control something with medication. I mean, you know, you can manage something with medication. You can't fully control it. That makes any sense. You can do some things differently. You can go for walks. You can work with your physical health. You can do all those things. But what you're doing is you're managing the anxiety disorder. You're not controlling it, if that makes any sense, right? It does. Um, 
So it's important. It's really important to know the difference between control and management. Um, because if you don't, then you're going to tell somebody to control something that they have no control over, which is pretty insensitive. Yes. You know what I mean? And when you look at somebody and say, well, I don't know why are you so sad. Just be happy. Right. You're telling somebody yeah. to control something that they can't actually control for them. It has to be a managed thing. Right. There are some people who wake up and the day is new and the day is fresh. They may have anxiety throughout the day, but they wake up with a, well, it's a new day. It's cool. What's happening today? Whatever it may be. And then they may have anxiety about work or whatever it is. That's normal life. But you may have people who wake up and naturally have this neurological situation and condition um, that the sky is falling immediately when they wake up in the morning. I, I suffer from this. And so you telling me, uh, well, just choose to be happy when you wake up in the morning, it, it, that ain't helping. Because you're telling me to control something that I can't control. In other words, it has to be managed. So what you do instead to manage it is you focus on, okay, what are the thoughts that I'm going to think as I start my day? It's conscious. You know, how what, I'm going to start the day praying because I need this. I'm going to think about the good things that happened yesterday, and you're doing it on purpose because you're managing it, not controlling it. But to be careful not to be jerks to people. Um, when it comes to mental health, here's two easy things for you. This ain't even in notes. Here's two easy things to know. Don't call people crazy. Don't put them in the crazy boat and use that term as just a catch-all, right, for somebody that you don't understand who has an issue that you don't have. Don't use the crazy one. And then don't tell people that have a, that have a mental health issue and disorder to just control it, right, to just fix it or insinuate that they can fix it because they can't. They have to manage it, right? So we're talking about management of it. Um, so what does – we talked a little bit about anxiety in general – what does clinical anxiety feel like? And clinical anxiety is this term we're going to use to sort of capture most of anxiety disorders. What does it really feel like? Well, um, it can be that you are constantly irritable um, or on edge, no matter what. That's been that's been probably my biggest symptom over the years um, with the anxiety disorder that I have. The biggest symptom has been I will be edgy and irritable for no reason whatsoever. Like in the best situation possible, nothing's wrong, everything's fine. We can be on vacation, and I can be um, have irritableness, annoyance, on edge that I cannot control. Right, that I can only try to manage. Um, you can feel nervous, um, constant panic, like that's one. Um, that danger is around every corner, that feeling that danger is around us everywhere and that your doom is coming, that the sky is falling, that things are going to be bad. Um, clinical anxiety would also have your, your body may tell you that you need to fight or you need to run away for no reason whatsoever. All right. So this idea of I need to defend, I need to defend, I need to defend, that can be a symptom of it. But it also can be the one where you need to run away like – this has been mine. Um, you would find yourself when the disorder is bad and it's not being managed, uh, hiding in sleep, right? Sleeping too much, intentionally on purpose so you can avoid. Like procrastination is a common thing. Everybody procrastinates in something. But chronic procrastination is a sign of clinical anxiety, right? Um, 
and Stephanie's pointing at herself right now. <laughs> and and if Valerie Cook was here, she'd be pointing at me, right? And if Jonathan, who's here, had been married to you long enough, he'd point at you too, right? But yeah, he pointed me from the Dayton's. Y'all time. in the honeymoon phase, so he. Point, but you know, like chronic <laughs> chronic procrastination is a is is indicative of it because what's happening is is your your body's telling you that you need to run away, right? Run away, hide, get away from this, push it away, push it away, push it away, avoid it. Um, and for me, it would be, I would find myself sleeping. Like I didn't need to sleep. I wasn't tired, but it was an easy way to avoid something. Um, for the longest time, here's a cool one. Oh, not cool. It's horrible. But <laughs> uh, uh, for the longest time in over the last 10 years, the way this has kind of happened in the church is that when I wake up on Saturday, all I can think about is Sunday and what has to happen on Sunday. So I will, I will make myself sleep late even though I'm not tired, take a nap even though I'm not tired, stay up late even though I am tired to kind of push Sunday away as much as possible. Um, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does make yeah. sense. Have you experienced that some yourself? Yes, I have. <laughs> That's why I'm like, oh my gosh. See, y'all can't see Stephanie's <laughs> facial expressions. And because I talk so dang much, she's just nice and doesn't cut in on me. But um yeah, I mean, I, I it's just real. Um, and Valerie's pointed this out to me a lot, you know. And what's cool about somebody who loves you and cares for you, we're going to get into this in the next episode too, is that they can point these things out without going the route of just control it. Um, they can point out, hey, maybe you need to do something different. Maybe how can we manage this, right? Um, and and that's one of those times where it's like Valerie's like, hey, are you, are you still taking your medication like you're supposed to? Um, or – have you been exercising like you're supposed to, right? How are you eating? Like that's management related things, not shut up and be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or get over it. Or Sunday's not here yet, so you should enjoy the day. Be you know positive. I mean? Right. Be positive. I hate that one. I hate that one. Me too. You know another one I hate? I what hate one? calm down. Oh my gosh. Don't be coming at me telling Mm-mm. me to calm down. I can't stand that. You just need to calm down. It's 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 uh what's the word? Uh Gone it. I had a word for it. Um, I can't remember what it was anyway. But when somebody does that to you, I can't remember the word. It's 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 like they're antagonizing you. That's not the right word. Um, it's it's like they're belittling you. Yeah, but, you know what I mean. There's a word for this. I don't know what it is. Do you know it, Jonathan? Um, yeah, Jonathan. Now maybe maybe I, there's a That's, word. I get what you mean. It's like they're putting you down. You know what yes. I mean. It's like they're talking down to you when it's like you should calm down, right? Um, it feels gaslighting, right? Yeah. Like when somebody says a gaslighting turn, when somebody says you're overreacting, that's a gaslighting turn. Um, you know, when somebody's like, I'm sorry you felt that way. Oh, right? that's annoying too. That's that's a gaslighting turn. Mm-hmm. Instead of it being, I'm sorry, I did, I caused you to feel like this, you know. Um, so anyway, I can only come in with that calm down stuff. But somebody who loves you and cares for you, and is paying to the stuff with you can help you manage it instead of just telling you to control it. So, so um, back to what clinical anxiety feels like. Um, the heart rate rises. You can tremble uncontrollably. Like you'll have this this nervousness shake to you, and it, sometimes it's not visible to anybody else, but you can feel it. It's it's that same feeling that most people feel. This so most people are afraid. The number one fear in the world is public speaking. Yeah. Right? Which is crazy. So I remember being at a funeral one time and this guy telling me this, and he was like, Adam, most people at this funeral 
are scared to get up and do the more scared to get up and do the eulogy than they are to be dead in the casket. I mean, that's that's most people. Um, if you've ever had that before, and this happens to me too. I mean, I'm a I'm a seasoned, somewhat professional speaker, right? Mm-hmm. And I still have moments where if I'm out of my element a little bit, if it's a different platform, if it's something new, I'll have this rush of shakiness inside of me I can feel, right? Um, it's that, that's the same feeling, but for clinical anxiety, it happens all the time for no reason, right? It's just, it could just be there. Um, you can have, um, you can sweat uncontrollably. So you find your body kind of reacting by sweating um, in weird places too, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, at times when my anxiety is weird, I'll have this weird sweat thing going on on my back instead of armpit, right? You know what I mean? Like it's just too much. Um, and then you can have shortness of breath. And then those kind of things can manifest themselves into a panic attack, right? That shortness of breath is called a panic attack. It's called a panic attack because it feels like your body is attacking you. That's what it feels like is happening. Um, so that's what clinical anxiety looks like, right? So we want to make a distinction between anxiousness, which is a normal human experience, and, and a clinical anxiety issue. Um, the mental battle of anxiety can leave you feeling weak and yet it can keep you up at night all night long. Um, and it can make it to where it's unable for you to dismiss these plaguing thoughts and just really rest. That's what it really does. And so that's what we're talking about when we, when we talk about actual clinical anxiety. And so I've fought this my whole life. Um, off and on, there's been seasons where it's been better. The things that have managed it the best are, um, uh, medication, uh, exercise, um, n- trying to not overthink, um, rest, like real rest, um, diet. Um, so I'm in a new world right now on this health diet thing that I'm on because of my heart-related stuff, and that has changed my anxiety level a lot, just just what I'm eating and when I'm eating it. Yes, been a big also impacting your gut health. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, which which then affects affects anxiety too, right? Because mm-hmm. if you always got stomach issues, that's yet another way that your anxiety is going to manifest. That's why a lot of people end up having um, ulcers and those kind of things that come from stress related stuff. It's kind of crazy, actually, the way that your brain and your body are so connected, mm-hmm. um, and how your brain related issues can affect you physically in other areas of your body. I mean, it's kind of crazy, actually. So I've fought it my whole life. So if you listen to this and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, you just described me. Well, you're not alone. And we said that in the first episode. You're not by yourself. You know, you got two jacked up Messy Walk podcast people <laughs> talking to you right now, right? Um, yeah. So two big things before we go any further. Um, number one, if these symptoms describe you, one of the most dangerous things you can do is self-diagnose and not seek professional help. Don't self-diagnose. So let me tell you what we believe. We believe in God. We believe in the power of God. But we also believe in trained professionals who God calls and equips and gives them talents um, and gifting to be able to help and work in these things, right? It's Mm -hmm. just like talking about something. It's the same thing talking about something with your broke arm, right, or a sickness or a disease you got. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the healing power of the Holy Spirit manifested through believers that have those giftings and those things, right? I mean, we believe in all that stuff, but we also believe in the healing power of God through the hands of doctors and nurses and aids and techs and medications and treatments and surgeries and all that stuff too. So 
Um, before we go much further and talking about this, this whole series, you need to know that, that it's dangerous to self-diagnose. And so make sure that you talk to someone who can actually do that. So if you're, if we've said a bunch of stuff, you go, Oh my God, I think that's me. Don't diagnose yourself. Go find somebody to actually do that. A trained professional to do it. And here's a second one. The point of this episode and this whole series is not to solve the issue of anxiety. I'm not equipped to do that. Stephanie's not equipped to do that. If we was equipped to do that, we would have already solved it for ourselves. We just can't do that. And so, um, this is not the, here's the point of what we're doing. This is not the end of the discussion. It is hopefully the start of a conversation that needs to be ongoing f- forever mm-hmm. and not just on, you know, seven, eight episodes of a random podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, right? yeah. so, um, anxiety grows in isolation. And so we've got to be able to be with people and to be able to talk about it as an ongoing conversation, right? Um, since this whole thing came out with me having anxiety and it was actually diagnosed, it's something that Valerie and I and then friends, obviously I'm doing it here on the podcast again. I do it in messages all the time. It's an ongoing conversation all the time, right? Because anxiety is going to grow in isolation, just like anything else. The enemy wants to isolate anything that you have and have you isolated in that um, so that uh, you begin to feel hopeless and think that you're the only one and call yourself crazy or whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to make sure those two things are in there. Look, the Bible offers insights into how we can approach struggling with mental illness. There's a lot there. It's You have to read between the lines of it, though. So like those references we made earlier to do not fear and those things, talking about just normal anxiousness and fear in humanity, they're pretty straightforward. You have to read between the lines and see that the Bible does have insights in how we approach um, this topic of struggling with mental illnesses. And so remember that the Bible gives you a front row seat to the full-blown messiness of humanity. It's not stories about perfect people who got it right. Um, it's stories of people like you and me that, that struggle, and God still uses them. And so God does not see you as a project that is failing. Um, he sees somebody worth dying for. Um, and I think it's important. Like it's not God looking at you going, well, there's my poor little anxiety ridden child. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like that. He sees you as, as somebody who's worth dying for. Your identity is found in him, um, not in your diagnosis. And so um, here's a verse that I've read a lot over the last year or two. Um, personally, and I haven't really taught on it at all. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever taught on this particular verse in general. I've just read it a lot for myself. Stephanie, will you read? This is Psalm 94, 18 through 19. By the way, in the description, we always put the scripture references you can go back to if you want to. So read this one for us. Psalm 94, 18 and 19. Okay. When I said, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. I love this verse. I think it's probably because it references anxiety. That's the NIV version, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there's just something here that makes that I just feel seen in this verse. You ever read a verse where you feel seen in the verse? Like, it mm-hmm. ain't you. It ain't you talking. You know what I mean? Like, this was personal to the author of the psalm, but you just feel seen in it. Um, I don't like when I when I read um, when I read about. About Peter being a doofus most of the time with Jesus, I feel seen in those scriptures. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This is one where it's like my foot is slipping. Like you can just feel this. There is this this 
anxiousness, this brokenness, whatever it is that I just can't get a hold of personally. And my foot is slipping, and God, your your unfailing love, you love me regardless, and you're supporting me, right? You're holding me up. And when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me great joy. See, God wants to catch us when we're falling, um, and he wants to comfort us when we're overwhelmed with anxiety. Um, why? B- because he's our father, and he loves us, not because we're failing, Right? but because he's our father and he loves us. It's not because we're a project in the moment that needs to be fixed, right? Um, parents' love don't work like that. you know. And I know there's some jacked-up parents out there, and you may not have the best ones. I'm just saying, uh, a parents' love don't work like that. I don't just love and care for my kids when they're struggling and then the rest of the time be like, all right, you're good, you know, do your thing. It's all the time. Um, and it's not because they struggle. It's because I'm their father, and I love them regardless. And I want to catch them when they slip, yes. But I want to bring them comfort and joy all the time, no matter what. Um, and so it's not because we're failing at something. Does that make sense? It does make sense. You know? Um, so we got to make sure we tell ourselves that and understand that struggling with mental illness-related things, and we'll get into a little bit more tangible steps on the next episode, that struggling with these things uh, and us running to God for them and God, or God running to us is a better example, is not because we're failing, right? It's because he's your father, no matter what, right? And he loves you and he sees you, you know, and you can be seen. And I, I challenge you, especially if you struggle with anxiety, to obviously we've talked about receiving professional help, but but there are plenty of verses in Scripture where you can you can be seen personally. Um, you know, like there's a, there's a moment, it actually happens two times in two different places, in the Old Testament, where um, someone feels like God, I, I can't do that. I'm, you know, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that cares. There ain't nobody else that cares. There ain't nobody else listening. That was Elijah too, the one who ended up suicidal. Like I, there ain't nobody that cares. And God will come through and go, you, you don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's plenty of people who are on this train too. There's plenty of people that care. And it's just those verses where you feel seen. Um, individually, and that's the cool thing about the word is the word is alive and active in that way. It's not just some book, and and the reason it's like that is because it's a it's an illustration of God's glory and might to us, right? It's not just a book, and and it's working through the power of the Holy Spirit, and so you you can actively be seen in Scripture, um, not because you are failing, but because God loves you. And I think that's important for us to remember. So. If you are struggling with anxiety, in particular clinical anxiety, then what should you do to respond more than just find yourself seen in Scripture? And we're going to cover that next week. We're going to get into some tangibles of how you can actually respond. Um, and then what that's going to lead to is actual management of it in your faith, actively managing it in your faith, and not just um, trying to control something that you can't control. Um, so that's where we're going. So uh, what do you think, Steph? Closing thoughts? Closing thoughts? I've really enjoyed this talk on anxiety. I've really enjoyed it. Like, I, I think it's good that we're showing the difference between just the feelings of anxiety and actual like being diagnosed with it. Yeah, and I think sometimes people might listen to the episode like this and think, you didn't help me solve nothing. I think that's the, that's the point. Right? That's, that's we the can't whole, solve it. We can't solve it. And, and, um, and it's not that we necessarily need to. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's how can we manage it? And then I think a big part of that is seeing um, how God sees us, right? Yes. Um, you know what I mean? Like a, it, it seems to me, I could be wrong, but it seems to me that the majority of the things that really help me and correct things in my life, whether it's sinfulness or whether it's just a f- bad view or whatever it may be, is to know more about how God sees me. Yeah, and you like I mean? understanding your identity yes. in Christ. It all roots back to yeah. that, right? It all roots back to that. Because we can struggle with things. Things are going to happen. They're going to happen to us. We're going to happen to it. We're going to have issues and illnesses and stuff that, like we said in the last episode, did not come because we sinned. Um, and none of those things can be who we are, right? They cannot be our identity. And God is not making that your identity either, right? You're, right. Not, you're not poor little anxious Stephanie. Right. Yeah. You're his daughter yeah. no matter what. You know what I'm oh, no, I giggled, yes. <laughs> Jonathan almost giggled. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next week we're going to talk about um, some tangible things, like uh, things that can help fight anxiety. That's what we're going to hit next week. Sound yes. good? Sounds great. All Thanks right. for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye. What do you say? What do you used to say? Bye for real. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.